World Consumer Rights Day takes place every year. It's uh, started in 1983. The reason World Consumer Rights Day was started off was to highlight the importance of consumer protection and empowerment. The fact that we're all consumers, we're actors in the marketplace, and we have rights. You are listening to the Consumers and Standards series from the BSI Education Podcast in association with CPIN, the Consumer and Public Interest Network. Today's episode is on World Consumer Rights Day. So every year, uh, Consumers International coordinates this day and we bring together our members who are consumer rights groups in a hundred countries around the world. We work with them to choose a theme. This year, our members were inspired by a piece of work focusing on how consumers want to tackle plastic pollution and are really concerned, but uh, it is really difficult uh, to look at the, the labels on plastic packaging, which are often misleading or confusing. And so our members decided that for this year, World Consumer Rights Day will be focused on tackling plastic pollution and will demonstrate that consumers everywhere are demanding change and demanding change for our environment and our health. That was the voice of Helena Laurent, Director General of Consumers International, the organisation behind World Consumer Rights Day, the subject of today's episode. You can hear more from Helena later in the episode. Hello, my name is Matthew Childs, and you are listening to the first episode of the BSI Education Podcast Consumers and Standards Series. Now, this is the first series we have done, and we are delighted to be bringing it to you in association with our friends at CPIN, the Independent Consumer and Public Interest Network, which, in 2021, is celebrating its 70th anniversary. The Consumer and Public Interest Network, or CPIN, empowers and protects consumers, making everyone's lives safer, fairer, and better through effective consumer representation in British standards. Established in 1951, CPIN's trained volunteers participate in the development of standards to highlight key consumer issues, making sure that real-life problems are addressed and the risk of consumer harm is minimized. CPIN believes that all consumers have a right to safe and accessible goods and services, clear information, fair treatment, effective systems of redress, and a healthy environment. CPIN representatives use the United Nations guidelines for consumer protection as the foundation of their work. They sit on hundreds of standards development committees, speaking up for consumers. To find out more, visit bsigroup.com forward slash consumers. Now, back in episode 11 of the regular podcast, we looked at the hugely important issue of the consumer voice in standards. This is because standards are everywhere, making consumer lives safer, fairer and easier. Whether you're using a mobile phone or shopping online, standards behind the scenes are setting good practice for organisations that make goods and provide services. Our guests for that episode were Julie Huntley and Liz Barclay. Julie is an independent consultant specialising in consumer issues and also CPIN chair. 
and Liz is a consumer journalist and broadcaster and chair of the BSI Consumer Forum. We spoke to Julie and Liz about the importance of consumer representation in standards making, and by their own admission, their passion bordering on obsession with standards, and about placing the consumer voice in standards right at the outset in standards development. During that episode, we also touched on CPIN's priorities. Now, BSI publishes around 2,500 standards each year, and it would be pretty much impossible for CPIN to get involved in every single one. So instead, resources are focused in areas where CPIN can have the greatest positive impact for consumers. Based on these five priorities, sustainability, consumer vulnerability, consumer safety, digital, and services. The aim of the BSI Education Podcast is to bring you the stories behind the standards. So upcoming episodes in this series will explore in more detail some of the stories for each of these five priorities. You can hear more about this later on in the episode. Here's me with a quick reminder that for more information on BSI Education, go to bsigroup.com forward slash education. This link and others on the themes raised in this episode can be found in the episode notes. Do please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and share us on social media using the hashtag BSIEdPod. And if you have any comments or questions about this episode or ideas for future episodes, then do please get in touch at education at bsigroup.com. We really welcome your feedback. Now, we are publishing this episode and launching this Consumers and Standards series on World Consumer Rights Day. I wanted to understand a bit more about the historical context for this, so I spoke to CPIN Chair Julie Hunter and my colleague Sadie Dainton, Consumer Policy Manager here at BSI. We started by delving into the history of consumer rights and representation. Julie, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Matthew. It's great to be back. And Sadie, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Now, as regular listeners to the BSI EdPod know, we love a journey. So I'm just wondering about the consumer rights journey. Sadie, if I can come to you, where and how did it all begin and where are we now? Uh, Thanks, Matt. It's it's a very interesting question because obviously, you know, consumers have been around since the beginning of time. And yet um, it was many, many years and only uh, recently that actually people started thinking about consumer rights. So for many years, there were, you know, groups representing women. We think of the suffragettes, uh, people thinking about the rights of children, looking after children. And in the sort of mid-50s, sort of the emergence of some national consumer organizations, uh, such as WITCH in in the UK and Consumers Union in in the States. Um, So it's quite surprising, really, that um, it was JFK on the 15th of March 1962 that sent a message to the US Congress. And this was the first time that uh, consumers actually were recognized as as needing to have rights and, and to be protected. Um, and he, he sort of laid out the first four, um, and that was that consumers have a right to safety, um, to be informed, to choose, and to be heard. And that's coming, you know, to a time when consumers, I think, are recognized, one of the biggest economic groups, um, but really hadn't had any recognized rights until this time. 
at the same time that the consumer movement, I mentioned some of the founding members earlier, uh, were growing around the world and, and coming together to work together on a global basis, recognizing that would give them greater strength. And, and even in the 60s and, and 70s, there were some countries where it's actually quite dangerous to be a consumer. And people, you know, uh, people who fought for consumer rights uh, did that at peril of imprisonment and other things. So it really was a sort of rights movement. Um, so through Consumers International, now on a global basis, they developed formal rights, uh, which were developed and agreed by the consumers all around the world. And that was that consumers had a right to basic needs. So that's a right to water, electricity, food, um, to redress, to education, and to live in a clean and healthy environment. So we now have the eight consumer rights. And it wasn't actually, again, this sounds like it should be years ago. It wasn't until 1983 that World Consumer Rights Day was actually notice a day to to celebrate um, the coming together of these eight consumer rights. Um, just to explain in the context of the consumer rights, they actually drive the mission of all consumer organizations. And the aim of those consumer organizations around the world, um, so over there's many, many, there's at least 200 who are members of Consumers International, but, but there's also, even in the UK, we have over 100 um, consumer organizations. And, and all of those organizations are really fighting in their countries for, for the consumer rights to be observed and to be enforced. So to protect the consumer rights and needs of people living in that country. And I think the world, the world Consumer Rights Day is really important because actually every person is a consumer and those consumer rights apply to every individual in, in the whole world, wherever they are. Um, and I think that's really important to remember in the context of when we, we come to talk a bit later about standards, international standards um, and the UN Consumer Protection Guidelines. You know, every person has these rights. And the day is important because it gives consumers and people who are interested in consumer protection support this mission um, to raise awareness to, to consumers because there's still many consumers who don't know they have these rights. To business, because we know that business increasingly want to be responsible. Responsible business practices are certainly um, on, the, on the increase and being advocated for. And also to governments who obviously make laws, regulations, and enforce the, the rights of consumers. But um, I think I think the thing to remember is this is still it's still a journey. Um, it's a journey that started at the beginning of time. We've only in the last 50, 60, 70 years actually had organisations that can fulfil and protect consumers. So we've we've kind of evolved from basic safety, to services, to ethics, to digital privacy. Um, but I think the thing we have to remember is there's still many consumers around the world that although they may have access to mobile phones and make mo mobile payments, in fact, that may be the only way they can pay for, for goods and services, those very, very same 
consumers don't have the right to a constant supply of electricity or to water. So we've we've gone a long way in uh, in how we've developed, but we still have further to go in making sure that consumers around the world um, are able to access their their basic consumer rights and live in a you know a good world. Now, Sadie, we've heard Julie's personal standards journey before, how she came to standards from a services background and with an awareness of the BSI kite mark being the start of her journey. How about yours? How did you get to this point? What's your standards journey? Well, well, funnily, my standards journey was by accident, but I was working in Marks and Spencers as a student, no jobs, and a colleague I was working with sort of put an ad in front of my nose and said, look, they're looking for a, a technologist at the Consumers Association Test Laboratories. And although I trained as a home economist, I'd done product testing, I was really wanting to develop food. But anyway, I ended up at Consumers Association. And of course, in testing products, you benchmark them and you test them using standards. Uh, to carry out comparative tests so that you can inform consumers which is the best product to buy, which uses least energy, which does the best job, which lasts the longest time. In doing that, I sort of recognized in using the standards that some of them could really benefit from being improved by sort of reflecting better consumer behavior and also to for those standards to reflect um, how consumers actually use those products. So I became a consumer rep for, for which at BSI. That was my sort of technical side. Then I moved to Consumers International, at working in policy and working on a global basis with uh, principally with ISO and, and their Consumer Policy Committee, but also with UNIDO and other capacity building organizations that are working in developing countries to improve the consumer protection in those countries um, through through the use of standards. You know, obviously not everyone has a legal system or a legal system that's accessible. And it was really through that open my eyes to the really significant role that standards can play in in um, you know helping consumers have better lives and how consumer representatives can make those international and national standards more applicable. So, for instance, I worked with um, some great people from Brazil and we, we lobbied in to have top tropical temperature testing included in the testing of latex mechanical contraceptives, which hadn't been there before. But, of course, you know, the, the temperature that you're storing things in makes a difference. And that's what really, you know, sparked my interest in, you know, how can you use standards to to provide these access to basic uh, needs, you know, water, energy, how can they help? And um, I love my time there. But after 40 years, I kind of decided that um, I should maybe see how things were for the other side. And so four years ago, I joined BSI as their consumer policy uh, manager and it's been you know really incredibly useful to see how national standards body, bodies engage and um, help consumers to be part and how how their voices can be heard but um, and in you know in the in the UK it, it's great because BSI are very very supportive and I have a great team 
And I'm also lucky to work with um, Liz Barkley in the Consumer Forum and Julie Hunter in CPIN, um, who, who are great advocates for consumers and also a, a great team in BSI who also support um, consumer participation. But obviously, we need this. For this to work, we need to, for all NSBs and, and globally, uh, to to help consumers who, who are underrepresented. And that's difficult for consumers and it's difficult for NSBs. But I think in, in uh, working together and certainly through the last four years, also at ISO Capolco as their, their vice chair, um, seeing how we can network globally uh, to make the world um, an easier, safer, fairer place, which is the ISO strategy now, but also working with other uh, Consumers International, ANEC, and how NSBs and the consumer movement can work to get together to make sure you know, all those consumers have better access to their consumer rights. That's what's really inspired me. Julie, Sadie mentioned consumer rights there. How are these important for CPIN? And how do standards help to deliver consumer rights? Um, the consumer rights are incredibly important for CPIN. Um, we have adapted them a little. As Sadie said, they've evolved a lot over time. So we've adapted them slightly to fit into a standards um, context. So our consumer principles are access, inclusivity, information, privacy, redress, representation, safety and sustainability. And I would say that those consumer principles really underpin um, all of the work that CPIN does. So our CPIN reps will use these principles as a kind of checklist whenever they start work on a new standard. They'll think, you know, what are the issues for access? Can consumers access, you know, what they need? Is their voice taken into account when products or services are being designed? Are they able to make green choices? You know, so that the reps will use those as a checklist to make sure that, you know, consumers are, are getting what they what they deserve, what they have a right to expect from um, manufacturers, from service providers. So they're striving to improve outcomes for consumers in all of these areas. So I'd say that the, the consumer rights do really underpin all of the work that we do. So really, really important. And how can standards help to deliver consumer rights? Well, standards are aimed at organisations and it's organisations that can intentionally or unintentionally cause harm to consumers by their actions so whether that's the behavior of their staff or how their systems or processes or procedures are designed and set up all of these can have an impact on consumers that can like that can lead to problems or or harm occurring and so delivering on these rights is really the responsibility of organizations and it's standards that can tell those organizations that want to do the right thing you know, how to do it, what is good practice in ensuring consumers can access your goods and services, what is good practice in how you provide information to consumers so that they can make informed choices, what is good practice in terms of, you know, privacy of personal data. So it's really standards that spell out how organisations can achieve those, how, how can they can achieve those rights and how they can help to to protect consumers in all of those in all of those key areas. Now, taking us back to our consumers and standards series then, Julie, in the series, we're going to be taking a look at the five CPIN priorities. By the end of the series, what do you want listeners to know? Um, by the end of the series, I, I suppose 
what we'd really like is everybody to understand the importance of these priority areas and how they can improve outcomes for consumers because these are the areas where we see the greatest risk of harm to consumers i suppose so it's the importance of these areas in making sure you know that consumers have positive outcomes when they're dealing with organizations and we're not just talking about individuals here who are using the products and services but we're also looking at the bigger picture so improving outcomes for our planet when it comes to sustainability and and all the people that live on it too and also to understand how um cross-cutting all of these issues are because things like digital um, inclusivity I think consumer vulnerability safety these are issues that cut across a really huge range of products and services they can be relevant to you know so many different standards that we work on you know almost every standard that you take you could find like one or more of these priority areas um, that are relevant so I think it's We'd like people to understand the importance of these issues across a wide range of products and services. And really, through this podcast series, is, is also we want people to understand the benefit of consumer participation in standards development, in developing that good practice that takes consumer needs into account. So the value of that participation in making sure that real issues are addressed and that and that real harm is reduced. It's now time to hear my conversation with Helena Laurent, Director General of Consumers International, the organisation behind World Consumer Rights Day. Before we hear from Helena, here's another one of our quick guides. Every year, the consumer movement marks 15th of March with World Consumer Rights Day as a means of raising global awareness about consumer rights and needs. World Consumer Rights Day was inspired by President John F. Kennedy, who sent a special message to the U.S. Congress on 15th March 1962, in which he formally addressed the issue of consumer rights. He was the first world leader to do so. The consumer movement first marked that date in 1983 and now uses a day every year to mobilize actions on important issues and campaigns. World Consumer Rights Day is led by Consumers International, which through its 200 member organizations, seeks to empower and champion the rights of consumers everywhere. So, Helena, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Can you tell us about the theme for this year's World Consumer Rights Day and why it's important? Yes. So, as as I think you know, uh, World Consumer Rights Day uh, takes place every year. It's uh, started in 1983. And the the reason World Consumer Rights Day was started off was to highlight the importance of consumer protection and empowerment. The fact that we're all consumers, we're actors in the marketplace, and we have rights. So every year, uh, Consumers International coordinates this day, and we bring together our members who are consumer rights groups in 100 countries around the world, 200 of those groups. Uh, We bring them together, and um, we work with them to choose a theme. Now, over the years since 1983, we've had a a whole range of different topics. Um, But this year, our members were inspired by a piece of work 
focusing on how consumers want to tackle plastic pollution and are really concerned. But uh, it is really difficult uh, to look at the, the labels on plastic packaging, which are often misleading or confusing. And so our members decided that for this year, World Consumer Rights Day will be focused on tackling plastic pollution and will demonstrate that consumers everywhere are demanding change and demanding change for our environment and our health because Plastic can be a highly useful material in everyday life, but our consumption and production of plastic, especially single-use plastic, is now unsustainable. And we're in a, a global plastic pollution crisis, which is impacting our ecosystem and our health. Without action, the annual flow into our oceans could triple by 2040, according to the to Pew and of course, as we continue to see the effects of the, the pandemic, there is an increased use of single-use products, such as the plastic face masks or gloves and food packaging. And consumers were already concerned about plastic, plastic pollution and already taking action. In 2019, there was a study showing that there's a strong consumer response globally to plastic waste. Um, 55% of consumers globally have now become more concerned about the environment as a result of COVID-19. And nearly 74% of consumers are willing to spend more on sustainable packaging. Now, to make change happen, it has to be systemic. It has to be at all levels from governments and businesses and standard setters to make tackling plastic pollution and sustainable consumption easy, an easy choice for consumers. Uh, and we need a path so that unsustainable options are no longer viable. On World Consumer Rights Day, we're going to focus on the fact that consumers want change and how they are doing seven R's. They're rethinking, they're refusing, they're reducing, they're reusing, they're recycling, they're repairing, and they're replacing. And we're going to show how consumers everywhere are taking action on one or more of those seven R's, and then demanding that government and business should support them to do more. You said your members chose this theme. Is this issue something new to them? Not at all. Um, our members have already been working on tackling plastic pollution and all around the world. Just a, a couple of examples. Uh, just last year in um, Niger, uh, ADDC um, urged the government there and manufacturers to look into alternative packaging for water that's sold in plastic sachets there. Um, in Malaysia, the Consumers Association of Penang had a, an online conference in 2019 um, to look at policies to help bring an end to plastic pollution and um, usher in sustainable zero waste cities. Um, in Spain, the OCU, which is the Organización de, de Consumidores y, y Usarios, um, was testing the overpackaging when 
we purchase online through e-commerce. And in Korea, um, the Consumers Korea organized an online campaign, which was about where they said trash is cash to encourage people to recycle and reduce their plastic consumption. So really in doing this, we're bringing together uh, consumer advocates who've been aware of this problem and realize that um, we need to join forces to see if we can push businesses and governments to take action further and faster. 2020 was a, uh, was a big year for Consumers International because it was your 60th anniversary. Yeah, absolutely. So the the 60th, um, 2020 was our 60th anniversary. As for everyone, it was a, a an extremely difficult year, but um, it was wonderful to see how much our members did. Um, they really, uh, around the world, they spent uh, much effort sharing reliable information for consumers. Um, they innovated. Um, they worked on topics ranging from health to indebtedness to travel refunds to scams. Um, and we spent quite a bit of time making sure that they could connect even when we were um, physically apart, we could connect online to share ideas on how to support consumers better. That meant that by the time we, we were celebrating our 60th anniversary in November, um, one commented to me that, in fact, because we had connected so much, the world had felt smaller and we felt like there the really was a global consumer movement. We felt like a family. Um, we spent a lot of time making sure that we were connected into the international policymaking that went on during the year, um, we, for example, made a, a statement to the G20 in March, which highlighted um, that the pandemic would have very significant economic consequences and that policymakers must pay attention to vulnerable consumers and how, if we build back better, that has to be with sustainable consumption in mind, that countries must have a robust sustainable consumption plan. And of course, this is in line with how Consumers International was involved in uh, the revision of the UN guidelines on cons uh, for co consumer protection to include sustainable consumption back in 1983. Um, we also made sure that um, we were supporting the younger members of our network and consumer advocates who come into consumer advocacy at the start of their careers. And we launched a next generation network of advocates who are under the age of 30 from about 30 countries around the world, I think, really representative of the future of consumer markets. So uh, from the global south, and I think two thirds of them are, are women. Um, and that we are particularly proud of because we recognize at this point that um, it is so important to, to support those, um, those consumer advocates and young people who are coming into the, into the marketplace at the moment. So, Helena, on the podcast, we love a standards journey. We ask all of our guests what their standards journey has been. So I'm, I'm going to ask you, what's been your personal standards journey? My standards journey uh, started 
um, in earnest, I would say, in 2019, when I became Director General of Consumers International. Uh, Consumers International has a long history of working with fantastic members in the network who are standards bodies themselves, um, and with the International Standards Organization. And um, we work very closely with the ISO, which is based in Geneva, and looks at all types of standards globally. We are on what's called a chairman's advisory group, so regularly meet to give uh, feedback from uh, our perspective as consumer advocates and, and civil society. I think that the biggest uh, takeaway for me is how much uh, the the world of standards depends on fantastic experts all around the world who are passionate about what standards can do and give their time pro bono to make sure that standards are built with consumer perspective um, and built so that they work for us all. So just picking up on that, uh, Helena, what, what role do you think international standards can play in delivering consumer rights? I think they're essential. Um, we're living at a time when we are surrounded by innovations. If you think just recently, it's been innovations in vaccine, in renewable energies, in artificial intelligence around you know, protein folding, and we need those innovations if we're going to get anywhere close to meeting our global goals on climate, on health, on our economy, on society. And consumers are at the intersection of all of these things happening. We're the ones as consumers, we, we often see the unintended consequences of all of these uh, changes first and foremost. The, the realization that I think we're, we're coming to um, is that you can't innovate unless you do that with and for people. So the system of standard setting that includes the voice of the consumer, the voice of the consumer as an actor, as an actor in the marketplace has never been more essential. How we make sure that standards are set in a way that is inclusive, but also keeps up with the pace of change is going to be a question that's with us for some time. And, and how can national standards bodies help Consumers International members influence those standards? What's noticeable is that there are not enough consumer perspectives included in standard setting. Often because it's dependent on pro bono help, that is something we need to put a lot of effort into. I think the more we can raise awareness of the importance of standards, the more we can encourage engagement by experts to present a consumer view, and the more we can value that standard setting, um, the better. This can only be done through a collaborative effort. To round off this episode, I thought we should take a look at what's coming up in the rest of this BSI Education podcast, Consumers and Standards series. Now, as I mentioned earlier, BSI publishes around 2,500 standards every year, and CPIM works in areas where it can have the greatest positive impact for consumers, based on five priorities. So here's a quick guide to the upcoming episodes. 
each one placed on a different CPIN priority. Sustainability. Sustainability has never been more important. Tackling climate change is on all nations' agendas with a global demand to minimise carbon emissions. The sustainable consumer was in fact the theme of World Consumer Rights Day 2020, highlighting the need for sustainable consumption and the important role of consumer rights and protection. This episode will look at how CPIM plays an essential role in enabling consumers to live sustainable lifestyles and cover issues such as plastics, recycling and the international approach to solving the associated challenges. Consumer vulnerability. Vulnerability has risen up the consumer protection agenda in recent years. At an international level, the United Nations considers understanding of consumer vulnerability to be central to delivering effective and inclusive legislation, enforcement and redress. The UN guidelines for consumer protection, revised in 2015, cite the protection of vulnerable and disadvantaged consumers as a key principle to be considered by governments, policymakers and businesses. This episode will look at how CPIN and standards play a vital role in improving outcomes for vulnerable consumers on issues such as financial services. Consumer safety. Consumers have a right to safety when using products and services. People often assume that everything they buy is safe. In the UK, a strong regulatory framework places responsibility on suppliers to protect consumers from unsafe products and services. However, when things go wrong, the consequences can be devastating, from poor health to serious injury and even death. So this episode will look at how CPIN and standards play a vital role in protecting consumers by minimising the harm when using products and services, such as the risk associated with items brought online. Digital. The UK consumer organisation WHICH has conducted research into consumers' relationship with their data. It found that while consumers recognise many of the benefits of sharing their data with organisations, there's also a widespread sense of disempowerment. Many people are unsure of the impact that data use has on them, or whether it's even worth trying to take any action about practices that concern them. This episode will look at how CPIN and standards play a vital role in improving outcomes for consumers in a digital world, in areas such as smart devices, smart toys, and risks that can be mitigated through privacy by design. Services. We all use services every day. They make up 80% of UK GDP. However, the growth of the services sector has created new challenges and risks for consumers. This episode will look at how CPIN and standards play a role in improving the safety, quality and inclusivity of services through examples from sectors such as travel and tourism, health and energy. I really hope you enjoy the series. You have been listening to an episode of the BSI Education Podcast. To find out more, visit bsigroup.com forward slash education. You just heard a stripped media production.